Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hello and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, business coach and author of How to Start a Side Hustle. I am so excited to bring you today's episode. It is with a recent friend of mine, the one and only drag queen, Timberlina. We had an incredible conversation about performing and going after a dream, but also turning something like drag in rural Australia into a thriving business model. I learned so much from Timberlina about a spreadsheet in this episode. It was a great fun time and uh, yeah, lots of wisdom. I really wanted to tell this story because uh, Timberlina and I actually met when they were performing as part of a campaign that I was a part of with Pedestrian TV where they uh, took me back to my hometown and put on a queer show, a LGBTIQA plus show in my rural town of Nambour on the Sunshine Coast. And Timberlina was the queen who hosted that event. And yeah, we got along so well. It was an incredibly life-changing experience for me where my family and I were able to come together and heal as part of my coming out from many, many years ago. Uh, so this work is incredibly powerful and I think it's so important for the queer community, especially in rural remote towns, to have examples and role models of the spectrum of gender and identity and art and performance and creativity and self-expression. So I love how much of a hustler Timberlina is and how much they have not only taken, you know, this little niche community and has turned it into a beautiful business model, performance, but also advocacy and education for the queer community and just bringing it into the limelight and making it mainstream, which is incredible to see. Uh, lots of wisdom in here, lots of uh, great stories. And yeah, enjoy the episode. I have no doubt you'll take lots from it. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Tim slash Timberlina. Hello, thanks for having me. Lovely to have you. We've been trying to do this for a while, and I'm so excited to have you as our first queen on the epi- on the podcast. And uh, tell your creative startup story about doing what you love and making it your career. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm so excited to be the first queen. Hello. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess for me, it started by accident. Um, Mm. I think most good businesses start by accident. Um, I was visiting my sister in the US and I got put up on stage at a drag bar and I wasn't a dance-off and I did the splits Mm. three times and people started throwing money at me and I was like, I can make money from doing the splits. This is amazing. Um, And then I came back home to Australia and I was just like, Damn, let's just do it. I got really drunk one night, started emailing some bars in Newcastle. And then two weeks later, one of the owners of the bar that I emailed called me and was like, when can you start your show? And I was like, uh, what? And um, I literally got into drag for the very first time. I'd never done drag before. I had to get a makeup artist. And then a month later, after all of the promo and stuff, I had 90 people at my first bingo show um, at this wow. bar. 
Yeah. And then I was doing it monthly and then it came fortnightly and then weekly. And then I started touring and it all just started really happening in the first year. Like I just put everything into this business Mm. um, and I would email like 20 to 50 like venues around New South Wales every week to be like, Hey, I want to bring my bingo show out to you. Um, are you keen? And then like, you'd usually get one response, but it's like, it didn't stop me because I was just like, I want this so bad. And then mm. I competed in Miss First Nations um, in Sydney. Um, I got Miss Congeniality. I didn't win, but it was still mm-hmm. so fun to be part of like a full pageant kind of drag comp. And then um, during all that time, I started um Timber Productions and I needed to give back to the community because Newcastle lost their whole like whole scene pretty much because we only had one bar here so we don't have any queer um, venues here so I was just going to as we like to call them straight bars and turn a little bit queer for the night and we put on drag shows and um, have a boogie and I've been doing that and I've been now taking my cabaret show around with all of my performers so i have a bunch of performers now that work with me so i have kings and queens and things um which is really exciting and now i'm here and i went full-time in covid last year the first lockdown happened and i'd just gone full-time so i needed to pivot so i've just been as i like to call myself a cam girl um and doing shows online which has been really exciting so i guess that's how I've really started my business and where I'm at now. Um, I mean, you make it sound so easy. So I'm going to backtrack here and we're going <laughs> to get the details because I'm all about, you know, and there's so many questions that I have. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to take us back because um, Tim and I met through doing the absolute vodka um, work with pedestrian TVs and um, TV episode when we went back to my hometown in Nambour. And um, put on a queer show there, which was game-changing and um, celebrated pride in this small little rural town. And I know that you went in and did a lot of the shows with that little series. Um, But I'm interested, like, because I know that you know my story as well and people can go and check out the video. But, um, yeah, like going, obviously, um, how do you identify and then how did you get into that and how was the response and, you know, was it, I guess, did you come into the community where, um, you know, drag was a safe space and, you know, was it the confidence levels to, to, I guess, decide, have you always wanted to do that or were you a natural performer? Like where was the parts of you? And then I also need you to tell people about how you learned this because when you told me that I was so shocked. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, I, so I, am a gay male um in drag my pronouns are she her out of drag they are he him um and i guess i i was never really a part of i think people like to call it the scene um the queer scene i have a lot of straight this female friends so going to straight club was how i have been brought up pretty much um and then when I started drag, that's when I really started to connect with the community and learn more about the community, I guess. And I just now know that we need safe spaces. Um, And for me to be in drag, I guess it is a safe space for me as well. And I can like, it's more of a hyper, Timberlina is the hyper version of Tim. Um, 
I say that like Timberlin is the pretty one and Tim mm-hmm. does all the like work behind the scenes. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. And then I guess the splits, you can teach yourself to do the splits in six, you can do it in six weeks, but I say mm-hmm. six months, you just keep going down and down and down. And that's what I just kept doing. And like you tear the, like the micro muscles um, in oh. your brain and then you should be able to do the splits. And now I can like literally hold my leg in the air and then like land in the splits, which is pretty, pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great body trick. Yeah. Did, um, did, um, were you supported like family, friends wise? Like, was it a natural progression? Were you a natural performer as a kid? Yeah. So I always wanted to be an actor growing up. And like, I feel like once you start growing up, you're like, oh, that's way too hard. Um, and then I went into events um, for 10 years before I did drag. Um, and that's what my passion and love is. But my family is so supportive. So I've toured New Zealand twice. And my first tour of New Zealand, Um, My parents came with me um, and I just remember us driving through um, the mountains and my dad was in the back hand sewing back up one of my costumes and I was like, it's just so amazing how supportive my family is. I wouldn't be able to be where I am without them. Um, My parents come and visit every so often and mum and dad are just like rearranging the drag room and making sure I've got enough story to everything. It's just like so fun. Mm, I love that. And I think the reason that I was really drawn to telling your story is because Startup Creative is all about, um, you know, turning your passion into a viable business and, you know, finding what you're naturally good at and what your, you know, your purpose is and, and then making it a business. And I think, you know, people would assume that, you know, drag is maybe a fun pastime or, you know, think, I think that you do on the weekends. And so telling this story for me is like, if you can make this a full-time business, um, then, you know, anything is possible for people, I think. Um, and it's a beautiful example too of like flowing into your natural qualities as well. Um, but tell me about like the the business because I think that's the cool part about what you do as well is like there's there's hustle to you, you know, like this is you, you decided you're going to take it seriously. So were you working in events free going full time? Um, so I was in events and then I started the transition out of events and I went into like project management in construction, which is really, <laughs> everyone's just like, what? So like when I started Timberlina, I was working in a like a project management office with like full on straight men um, who would go to like the job sites and I used to get my wigs delivered and um, my boss then, um, he was like a little bit standoffish and then like he was like one of my biggest supporters when the time I left um so like I would go to work nine to five come home quickly put a face on and then go on to like do my bingo shows um so it was like a lot of hustle and then like I would work 30 hours probably a week still on top of my full-time job to do this as a be able to make Mm. this a living so I was producing shows and then my costing everything and budgeting. Like I think for me and how I work is like everything is about a budget. So it's like Mm -hmm. how many people do I need to get into the door to break even? And then how much do I need to pay my performers? And I think that's the biggest thing from day dot for me is that I always had budgets no matter what the event was um, and still be able to budget for costumes and wigs and makeup 
Um, Cause there's mm. so much that goes into drag that I think that's why a lot of people are like, Oh, it's just a hobby because there is so much that you need. Um, mm. And I guess for me, I'm just like, I've always been that hustler and I like to be busy and I don't like to sit still obviously. Um, so I think the first, like it was two years. Um, and then in the third year that I went full time. Um, so Timberline is four, just turned four. Mm. Um, and I was just like, I would sit here at night at my desk, um, which is now surrounded by drag stuff and just email like people. So a big part of my business is I wanted to take it to the country, like Western New South Wales and show um, people in rural communities that it's okay to be yourself. Cause I never had that growing up out West and um, that was a big part of my business is like to take it back out west. So I'd email like the smallest country towns with like two pubs and be like, hey, do you want a bingo show? But it didn't like when people wrote back, no, thank you. It never like made me be like, okay, maybe I'll stop doing that. It was like, okay, on to the next town. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. It's like the ultimate side hustle. And I remember the same. My first thing that I was running was a six-week course on how to turn a passion into a business. And I think you spend like hours like finding the list of people who you think would buy that. And then you, you know, you send out the 30 pitches, you get the two responses, and then you have to kind of still convince them and get them over the line and find the date and get the invoice paid and, you know, do all of the details. So I love that because a lot of people think that, you know, you you sit back and, you know, things come to you and, but the, you know, the success comes in that, in that side hustle and making it work whilst you know in every spare second that you have which I think you know it sounds like that passion also behind going to rural communities and really um you know there's a deep purpose to what you do as well yeah I feel like I was explaining to someone the other day that it's just like I get to educate people that don't know much about drag or the queer community in an entertaining way so it doesn't feel like they're getting thrown in their face but by the end of the show they've probably learned more about the queer community in that two hours they've spent with me playing bingo than they would have in their entire life and I feel like that's Mm. a really fun aspect of my show as well um Mm, so yeah I always oh sorry you go no you go (laughs) I was gonna say one of my favorite stories to tell is I was in park so if no one knows where parks is it's like six hours away from Newcastle and very small. And I walked in full dressed up in drag into the venue. There was this older couple sitting down and I was like, oh, they like about to finish up. And he, you could tell he was a farmer. Um, and I was like, oh, they staying? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Does he know what this show is? And they were like, I don't think so. And you could just see his face. And it was just like, oh no, what am I here doing? Um, and it was date night. And then by the end of the night, he walked past me and was like, that was the best show. I haven't laughed that hard in years. And it was right in the middle of the drought. And he just was like laughing and having the best time. And I was like, that's what my show is all about. Mm. Um, Anyone can come and have fun. And I just love that. Mm, I love that. And even reflecting back on that, you know, doing that first show with 90 people, it's like when you find those sweet spots of what you're meant to be doing and, you know, you're so passionate about it, then people are attracted to businesses and people who, you know, are are creating things from a deep sense of beyond just like, oh, this is a good business model, right? Yeah, exactly. And like, I guess, I mean, I'm probably like, 
not the best person to run a business because I'm just like, I'll just wing it. I'll just do stuff as well. Um, but like sometimes those, you win some, you lose some, I guess, in business as well. And I feel like you can't let those losses pull you down. And I've never let that happen. I'm just like, oh, well, tomorrow's a new day. We'll start again. And um, if I win some, I win some. Um, that's how I've mm. really loved this business as well because you can take yeah. it as far as you want or not. And I've I've still got heaps to go. <laughs> yes. I I think, no, it's great business advice because I think, I mean, sometimes just jumping in, I probably run my business a bit the same, whereas, like, I learn from being on the ground, you know, like I can sit and plan all I want, but I also like teaching and practicing and, and coaching and running workshops is where I learn so much about my business. But yeah. I'm interested to hear about, you know, in those early stages of, you know, going, cool, I, I did the splits on stage and now I'm going to make this <laughs> my side hustle. Did, what, did you have mentors in and around that space or how did you educate yourself? Like I'm, I'm thinking for somebody out there who might go, oh, I've always wanted to do drag or enter into a creative industry and, and work for myself, where do they start? You know, what was, did you, like I look at, I've watched RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> And I've seen it, follow you on Instagram, and I know what goes into the creating Timberlina. And, yeah, like for me, like if I would even feel overwhelmed starting from that space into like performing to that level. Yeah, I um, I guess one of the biggest things is watch RuPaul's Drag Race and then <laughs> step back and be like, that's not how it is. Um, but I guess when I started, I would have, com- I would do it completely different now. But when I started, I didn't reach out to any performers I just went in and started I just like YouTube channels yeah so I did YouTube I just did a lot of random research online um I also had a makeup artist um for the first six months um doing my face and then teaching me how to do my face so I guess if you've got someone that can help you do that so you either pay somebody to help you or reach out to another performer um to really help you create that and then you have to like really keep stepping back and then forward if that makes sense with everything you do so it's like you step back look at yourself and then be like oh i need to change that um and then you can do some more research and like watch rupaul's drag race because like you can get makeup techniques from them and there's so much more since that show has started now for drag performers to get out there and um but my biggest thing is reach out to people in your local area queens kings any queer performers because they will usually the community is amazing and they'll just like yeah come on board and they'll send you stuff or if you send them looks that you're doing they can might be able to be like oh you need to do that better because the hardest thing to do when you're doing drag is block your brows it's the hardest thing um and once you get that down pack i feel everything else is just very easy Uh, start with brows no I think it's great and you know it applies to any business model is like you know educating yourself for where you're lacking knowledge and you know asking for advice outsourcing for the skill sets that you don't have Um, and I love that advice around you know constantly zooming out and being like what's working what's not working and sounds to me as if you've got that um, personality of being like how can I get better at this and keep perfecting yeah, I guess uh, the one thing is you never stop learning. Um, mm. And if you think you've learned everything, you haven't. So maybe 
you need to step back and take a look. Uh-huh. I just think you never, you can never stop learning, I guess. And that's the best thing about drag is like, you can always bounce off people. And, and that's the funnest thing. Like I have group chats everywhere with other performers. And then you like, you'll send, you'll be like, Oh, I did this makeup look today. Does it look good? And people will be like, nah, probably not. You don't do that again. Um, <laughs> and that's like the best thing. Like you need those people that are going to be honest with you and be like, that's not working. Don't wear that outfit again. Um, <laughs> don't do that performance, but like, it's really good. I feel like you need to find your little, you'll find them, like you'll lose some people along the way and then you'll gain people, but it's just like another lot of friends that you're going to get as well in the business world. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I mean, um, the other question I was going to ask around then really going into when did you know you were ready to, to make it full time? Like what was that moment like for you and what would your tips be for someone who's trying to figure out when the right time is to, jump into it full time yeah I guess it took me a good six months to work out that I needed to step away like when I was just doing the same amount of hours at my full-time job and um like my side hustle I needed to look at budgets and see where I needed to cut from my spending to make it full-time and I feel like I needed I put a budget together and was like these are my monthly expenses versus my what I'm bringing in doing drag, can I take that leap? And can I see six months ahead of time, are my gigs booked up six months in advance so I can make sure that I've got that many gigs coming in and I know that I'm safe for six months? Um, And I didn't have any savings when I took this leap. So I recommend having three months worth of Mm -hmm. um, bills before you um, take the leap like I did. Um, But then... I just like started getting so busy once I took that leap and I was doing, I was already doing four gigs a week um, when I took the leap. So I was working full time and doing four gigs. So I was working seven days a week, um, which I would continue still doing now. I love, I love my job now. So I'll continue doing it. And just like, I think it's just like, you need to make sure that you have, enough work coming in before you take that leap. But once you do, I can tell you the work comes in thick and fast, which Mm. is a good problem to have for me. Um, And I guess like I have worked with some big brands now as well, which is amazing. And that really helps. Mm. Uh, No, I think that, I mean, you're such a project manager with this budget. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I feel like you're going to have to give away like a free budget spreadsheet or something for (laughs) our audience. (laughs) championing it um no it's great advice I think um yeah having that plan in place and knowing when financially because otherwise you can really put yourself in a situation where you you can't be creative because you're so stressed financially but I think also that really good point that you make is like once you fully commit and I always explain it as like you close all the side doors then all of a sudden your energy and your focus is like super laser focused and people like, it's almost like once you take yourself seriously, other people take you seriously and you free up your time to be able to fully like turbo on the goals. Yeah. And the other thing, I guess, cause this year I've just bought in a freelancer to do all my socials um, and plan all my socials. And you don't realize how much social media takes over your business and like, since I bought somebody on to do that, it's like been the best thing because I've got 
energy to focus on more events and more shows and how I can make things better, which has been amazing as well. So Mm, that's a really good point. I was just talking to a client about this this morning around the idea of where's your time best spent. And if you're the visionary and you're the queen that's performing and making the money, then yeah, you need to be perfecting your show, right? And your looks and your um, the vision for the company. And yeah, what what can you get rid of to make more time for that? This is a this is one thing I tell people as well. Now, I have a washing person because mm-hmm. I worked out that my hourly rate to do my washing is far too high. It's cheaper for me to send my washing out to get done and pay somebody to do it because um, I'm saving money because um, mm. me hanging out the washing, putting it on and then like folding it and putting it away is my hourly rate is too expensive for me to do that. Um, and yeah. people, laugh, people laugh at me. I'm just like, seriously, how many loads of washing would you do a week and work that out to be your hourly rate? I actually, I, I'm in full support. I, the, one of the first things I did when I started making money in my business was get a house cleaner because I was like, I don't enjoy it. it I like, I uh, procrastinate over it and I feel so much better once somebody else has done it and makes it feel nicer. And then when I was in Sydney, I did the same thing with my washing. Um, but yeah, I think it's, that's a, a very smart idea, especially if you don't enjoy it because it'll like kill your creativity and your momentum as well. hundred yeah. um, percent. So questions. So we've um, talked about, uh, firstly, I want to ask about with the, um, you know, going into rural towns and stuff, do you feel like you were kind of forging the way in doing that? Like, was that obviously, um, you know, there was some no's and things and you should, talked about not taking that on board, but yeah, was were, what was your where did you kind of get your confidence or vision, and how was that experience? Like my what I would assume you can let me know was that it's you were going down a new path and doing something different, moving away from like the big city queer scenes. Yeah, I just think like for me going out to rural towns, obviously growing up at, in a rural town. It, it needed to happen. There was, there's no arts. The country is starving for arts. So I was like, this is easy. Like I'll just, I'll just go out there and do shows. Like I don't care what people think of me. I'll walk down. I'll crash tackle you. Like I can crash tackle both of my brothers <laughs> at the same time. So I'm fine with that. And also I'm going to be wearing heels. So um, I'll just kick them. Like it's fine. Like, and I, this is what, the, this is what goes through my head. I'm just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And like the best thing is people, if they see you in drag, they're just going to cross the road. Um, that's the best thing about being a drag queen. Um, and they don't feel comfortable. But then like, I just think the city is so saturated. Um, and it's like cutthroat when it comes to performers. So it's just like, no, nah, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing out West. And now it's just like, I would spend 80% of my time on the road traveling between country towns and the inquiries just coming because they're like, we've heard that you've been to this town and everyone loves it. Can you come to our town? And that's what you want, right? You just don't want to be like fighting to get on a stage in a city where you could just take your show and do it elsewhere and mm. bring joy to other people as well. Not just the same audience. that's going to come to the same club every week. So yeah, I love that. It's like finding your niche and where, you know, where, where is it that you can have a point of difference as well? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
I love that. And so tell us about working with some of the big brands that you have worked with. Feel free to name drop. And, um, you know, how did they come, how did that come about? Because I think it's a, it's a really smart way of building a brand reputation is like, you know, aligning yourself um, with brands that are going to help you excel your career and your reputation. But yeah, how did you go about that or how did they come about? Yeah. So this is like a weird one because for Absolute, so there I work with Absolute quite a bit now. Um, last year during lockdown, I was just randomly tagging them in posts and they'll like it. And I was like, okay. And then I DM them. I was like, hey, how do I talk to about, talk to somebody about sponsoring one of my events um, for lockdown, which was my Timberliners drag off, which is a drag comp here in Newcastle. And I was like, they're never going to respond. Um, mm. And then they did and they were like, hey, yep, um, we'll pass on the message. And I was like, okay, this is a stock standard message. It's never going to happen. And then I got a phone call from the team at Absolute and they were like, we love everything about your brand and we want to work with you. And I was like, oh my God, what? And like when you first get that phone call from a massive brand, you're just like, no, that's no, it's fake. Um, I got so excited. did like a little happy dance. And then it happened. They sponsored Timberlina's Drag Off. Um, they then brought me on um, board for the pedestrian TV and absolute um, show your colors um, campaign, which was really in line with my brand because it was going out to regional towns and bringing a pride party. And that was exactly what I pretty much do with my business. So it was like hand in hand and they loved the idea that I could do that. And I like literally just dropped everything to work on that campaign because it was so exciting. But since then, like I have worked with Magnum because of that. So like you meet people in this industry now that put on these events. So now they've hired me to do the Magnum event. And I know a company, they love me so much. And they are like, we put you forward for most of our clients now, which is so exciting. Um, This lockdown, I've worked with Google, Nestle, um, and it's just like, I work with massive like agencies, I guess. Now they contact me and, um, promote me to their clients, which is really exciting. And I guess once you have, I guess my advice for someone is to DM people, like it works mm-hmm. sometimes, like it worked for me. And then you meet all these exciting people and connect, like use LinkedIn creators don't realize that you can actually get a lot of work through LinkedIn. Um, Last lockdown, I randomly used my Timothy account. I was like, Hey, I don't know if you've heard of Timberlina, but I've started doing virtual shows. If anyone wants to book me for a virtual bingo show for their staff. And I got two bookings out of it. Like Mm. it's just, I think the more that you promote yourself and get out there, I think the better, Um, but there's always too much promotion as well. So you need to find that level of, the right promoting yourself and not over promoting. Well, yeah, I think like that's incredible advice because I mean, I've used the same strategy in my business. I was chatting to a client the other day who did the same thing. And it's like you create, you you be yourself and you create your brand and you, you you're super clear about what you stand for and you consistently show up as that. That when you reach out to a company, A, definitely putting yourself forward making sure that their brand alignment and absolute is known for supporting the queer community and Mardi Gras and things like that. So it's a, you you know, it's not a random collaboration that's out of, you know, the possibilities. 
and then you um by the time they come to check you out they understand what you stand for and they can get on board with it and provide an opportunity right yeah exactly yeah Mm. and it's yeah i guess you just need to really work out what your brand is and who you want to work with you just can't be like oh i'm gonna go and work with like a fitness company and your brand has nothing to do with fitness. So yeah. Yeah. So you really need to know where you stand. Mm, and be it too, before anyone pays you to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, do, I love that advice around tagging a, a business and um, reaching out. And if it is the right alignment, then yeah, expect it. Like, I often think that is, you know, people go, I remember the moment in my career where, you know, you start to see the same people getting opportunities and things and, then when you really dig into it, it's like that person's putting themselves forward. And, you know, that time and time again, it's about actually, you know, asking for the opportunity and putting yourself in the way of the people that you want to be working with, not expecting that, yeah, the phone call is going to come out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that's what a lot of creatives think as well. They just sit there and wait. Just like, don't wait. You don't have mm. time to wait. You need to get out there and get yourself in front of people. Um, yeah, absolutely. Be proactive. Yeah. Um, and so I'm keen to hear about, yeah, you're pivoting online. Like obviously <laughs> this whole conversation has been about your confidence and your spreadsheets and your ability to go and, and make something happen. But yeah, what was your experience for, for going online d- during COVID and, you know, how did you pivot and yeah, what, what have been the ups and downs of that for you? Yeah. Um, well, obviously I went full time at the start of COVID last year. So I was like, oh, I need to keep my business afloat. I can't go under. I've just left my job. So I just did lots of research, obviously like the same kind of research when I started drag, I went on and was like, what do I need to do an online show? And I looked at all the IT equipment I needed, the software and everything. And then I think that was the first five days. The next week I started my online shows <laughs> and now it hasn't stopped. Like I'm doing so many, I can do up to seven shows a week. Um, and some of them are back to back shows. And then my public shows, I get up to 300 people in a, like a zoom room, um, of people that I'm entertaining from all around the world. So I get like people from England, Fiji, um, and the reach is crazy. I don't even know how these people are finding me and finding my show, but it's amazing. I mean, the hardest thing is that like, when you're entertaining people through a computer screen, it's actually 10 times harder to entertain because you're going over the top. So I'm using a lot more energy than I would if I was in a venue. So that's like really hard when you're doing seven shows. The other week I just was like on Sunday, I think I was just like, I just laid in bed the whole day. Cause I was like, I can't get out of bed. I'm exhausted. And I was like, I feel like I haven't done anything except for like perform. Um, but like, promoting yourself online like I was just like promoting promoting and then I sent a few this is a handy hint as well I sent a lot of um, media releases out um, and some people picked up the story and ran with it which is really fun so try and make friends in like media because um, it's always fun to get your media release out Um, and I do that for every show I send out a media release Um, um, but yeah, the virtual shows have been great. I feel like the only thing that's a down really thing for me is that I have to use too much energy, but I love it. I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so inspiring. And I think 
you know, what I would say out of that is that you've, um, you have you come up with an idea and you do the research and you you figure it out and then you do it, <laughs> you know, it's like, which is I always say to people, just start, you know, like you just got to get in the game and get something happening because if you sit around planning too long, you miss the boat. Yeah, because you like, you need to be on it because somebody else is probably going to do it before you if you don't do it. So, and mm. I think I was one of the first queens to be doing online shows, like bingo shows. Um, yeah. So it was pretty, pretty exciting. And then I did a full Timberlina's drag off in a studio with only a few judges. And we produced it like it was a television show with mm. ad breaks and everything like that. Um, so we had sponsors and they went in and filmed ads and sent it to us and we did transitions and it was literally like a television show. I did that wow. in lockdown last year in a studio. So it's really fun. I love that. That's so good. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's a thing, right? It's like you've always got to keep learning and keep your creative hat on and um, come up with ideas and move quickly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, my other final question is, um, well, one of two, is uh, in reinvesting back in your business. Obviously, it sounds like, you know, investing in tech stuff to go online, but also I imagine as a queen, like you've got to keep upping your outfits and your makeup and things like that. But how is, um, yeah, what's your tips around, you know, reinvesting in business and where to spend money and when to spend money? Yeah, I guess for creatives, you should always be reinvesting. Like you should have that built into your fee. Um, Sometimes you're lucky that you can charge a costume fee so you get a costume made. But I guess you should always have a certain percentage of your fee that you should have in another account or a savings account that's going there. So you have that money when you run out of your makeup or you need a new wig or you need a new costume. And also your costumes don't have to be like over the top all the time like you can find some good stuff in op shops and um online and join some like groups on facebook and connect with other people because there's always people selling their stuff it doesn't have to be top notch um brand new all the time but i Mm. i have to say you need to reinvest otherwise you're just going to be doing the same same and it's everything needs to be reinvesting like at the moment I'm updating my websites and like you don't realize that how quickly a website will be updated and you need to keep it fresh. So when people are searching for you, it's there in in their face, I guess for me, I've never had to think about why am I reinvesting? It's always just being like, just spend it because you're going to see a return if you do it, I guess. Mm, yeah. I love that. I mean, it's your brand, right? Yeah. hundred mm. percent. Oh my God. So much great advice. Thank you so much. What is there any um other, let's do drag specific industry tips for someone out there who might be looking to either get into the industry or maybe start taking it more seriously and making it their full-time thing. Yeah. Um, connect with venues, connect with your community, um, reach out to people in your local area, like performers, other performers to get some tips and tricks and show your face to them. Um, turn up to gigs and support um, and learn. I feel like a lot of people that I work with now, they turn up to my gigs because they want to learn and they look at the way I do things and they tweak their show to be very much like similar to mine, but like in their own way. Um, But if you learn from other queens and turn up to their shows, do it. Um, Budget, 
budget, budget, budget. <laughs> Happy to share a budget template. Um, and just like step, keep stepping back and looking at yourself and being like, is this how I want it to go? And um, yeah, but reach yeah. out to other performers and really reach out to me. I'm happy to give tips and stuff, but I feel like you need to really know yourself as a creative before um, you can get on stage and really perform. Being on stage mm. is the hardest thing. It's everyone's like, Oh, it looks like you do it so easy. It's actually being on stage is the hardest thing about what we mm. do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just quickly on that, because I think that was really good advice was, um, well, there's tips around getting stage confidence, but also did you spend much time getting clear on exactly who Timberlina was and the pers- like the brand values really? So they just fell into place. It all just went boom, boom, boom for me. It was just, wasn't like I didn't sit down or anything like that. I just knew. It was just like my name came from a cocktail that someone named after me a few years prior. It was called the Dirty Timberlina. And I was like, I need a drag name. And I was like, oh, Timberlina, perfect. There we go. Next. Um, and everything just fell into place for me. And it's just been like, that's how I wanted to go. And now it's just happened. So, but if you need to, like, write down some ideas of how you want to do it and um, mm. practice in front of a mirror. Um, yeah get that confidence um use a hairspray to have a mic in your hand because a lot of people once you put a mic in your hand they don't use it properly it needs to be in your mouth pretty much so um yeah just those small little stage techniques and like um something you can't teach someone is quick wit but um having a few little moments in your head where someone's yelled something out at you that you can say something back um, is always handy as well. Go to some improv classes, improv, improv, yeah. improv. Great. I love that. I might um, turn the video back on because I have one final question that I want you to look at me for. What would be my drag king name? Oh, um, oh, I don't know. This is a hard one. I did put you on the spot. Um. We can come back to it. Yeah. I'm going to think. It has to have hustle in it. Hustle. All right. Yeah. King Hustle. Oh, my God. King Hustle. King Hustle. That's me. Yeah. King Hustle. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to workshop this more. I'm going to get your, I'm going to, we're going to do a brand documents of budget around my, my drag king. King Hustle. Welcome to the stage, King Hustle. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on this podcast and sharing and, yeah, incredible business advice. And I love everything that you stand for and, and how you go about what you do. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.